Today we are reading from Zechariah 8, 1 to 9. The Lord promises to bless Jerusalem. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem's streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at the time, but it will seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. This is what the Lord Almighty says. You who now hear these words spoken by the prophets who were there when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. Welcome once again to Weston Park Baptist Church as we do our virtual services. Uh, last week we uh, looked at a piece from Jeremiah, uh, one of his laments, and the theme is living our faith in difficult or challenging times. So we heard a word from Jeremiah, one of our great prophets, and today we're going to follow that from a piece from uh, Zechariah. Uh, known as one of the minor prophets, simply minor because the books are shorter. And so it's a word um, from Zechariah to the people after they have returned from exile. And they have been there and they've started working on the temple uh, reconstruction. And uh, the work has been going pretty well. And then they get tired. And in fact, they get so tired that oh, for 16 years, the the reconstruction uh, stops. And so then Zechariah comes along as well as the prophet Haggai and they are attempting to encourage the people to carry on in their work. And so it's this word of encouragement because the people at this point are tired, they are stressed out, they're burned out really. There's not that many of them that have returned from Babylon. And it's a big job, and they're feeling somewhat overwhelmed. Perhaps just as we are, as we've been in some form of isolation, uh, separation now for a couple of months, and uh, now the governments are talking about opening up a little bit, so it may change, but it won't change quickly. And so we do indeed get tired and perhaps discouraged. So this is a word from Zechariah to... Um, encourage the people of Israel, but also here we are hundreds of years later to be encouraged by the same word. And so we begin then from Zechariah chapter 8. Uh, I'm reading verses 1 to 2. The word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. So that is a strong word and picks up the idea of obviously God's 
righteous anger, his jealousy. So how is that used normally in the Old Testament? The Hebrew word means zeal or fury. Actually has connotations of turning red, just as a pot uh, will start turning red if it's on the heat for too long. So the Hebrew word for jealousy. And the Greek word has to do with to boil or to feel deeply. Interesting, one of the first times, if not the first time in the Old Testament, it's used in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, where God says that he is jealous over Israel when they take other gods. If they do so, God's jealousy is demonstrated. So in the Old Testament, how do we see that word played out? Well, one is God is jealous when Israel forgets. When they forget their relationship with God, when they forget really who they are in their true calling, when they start living like everybody else, when they forget, God becomes jealous. That's how the word is used, number one. Secondly, we see when the people presume, when they presume on their relationship with God. A great example is in Jeremiah 7, where the people are living as they want to live because they understand that as long as the temple of God is standing, they are safe. They are safe from their enemies. No matter who they are, they're safe because the temple stands. Jeremiah tries to correct them on that and says, hey guys, that's not the way it works. So there's some presumption. In the New Testament, we have a classic passage you might want to read, Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. I don't have it all here, but it goes along this way so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We are not to become sluggish. Not to just start doing our own thing. When we do that, we are presuming on our relationship with God. So that's how the word is normally used, but that's not how it's used here. So if we flip the coin, we hear God is jealous, but he's jealous for his people in a way because he is full of compassion and love for them. In a sense, he is in the other ways too, but it's a word of, of, of correction. So he continues on, Zechariah, Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts shall be called the holy mountain. It's an encouraging word. And so God is demonstrating his jealousy in a few ways. And one is his ardor. And his ardor is expressed because he comes to be with his people. This is always the great hope in the scriptures, that God will be with his people, will walk with his people, and the people of God will walk with God. So the issue is here that God will be present with his people, and they will celebrate and enjoy a relationship with God just like we would if we were going to one of our beautiful parks here in Toronto, going to High Park. And we had all the freedom to go there, not isolated, not barriers. Just go enjoy the cherry blossoms that are happening right now. Enjoy it. Young people, old people together. That's the image. So the image of the kingdom of God is revealed as a park, as a paradise. And it particularly has that slant because God is with his people. He's walking with his people. We see the same theme in Revelation 21. Jerusalem comes down from heaven, and heaven is on earth. That's always the hope that we have. On our earth, redeemed, renovated, God with us and us with God, that's the Christian hope. So God's ardor for his people. 
that's where we begin in terms of God's jealousy in this positive way. Secondly, we hear that nothing is impossible for God. The text uses it twice in verse 6. Is, is it impossible for me to do this? The people are feeling they are a small group. They don't have the numbers to rebuild the temple of God. How can we do that? They're thinking it's impossible. But God is saying, hey, it's not impossible. I can do this with you. All things are possible for me. So the picture here is of a prodigious God. The God who's created our entire universe. All the galaxies, millions and millions and billions of galaxies and billions of stars, all that macro sense, or right down to the micro sense, tiny, 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 Planck size, that kind of idea. God is a prodigious God. So if he is like that, then clearly all things are possible. That's the word to this small group of people, the remnant, who return from Babylon. And thirdly, we see that God will save his people in verse 7. We saw this, we heard this as well last week in the book of Jeremiah. That God will rescue, that God will redeem, that God will save. The word is used here again. Zechariah says earlier, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. All things are possible because my spirit is within you. He will save us, he will save you. Zechariah the prophet is saying, and finally, we come to this idea that God is present. He's present here with the tired people. God is saying, I am on your side. You are not alone. God will empower us. So it's a picture of compassion, suffering with, that's what that word means, of gentleness. Isaiah puts it this way, a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. I love that image. A bruised reed he will not break. God is there for you. God is there for me. He is there when we grow tired, anxious, stressed out. God is there for us and walks with us. So these are all the, the ideas that Zechariah is putting out to encourage the people of God. So in light of that, where does the prophet go? Then he writes these words, and these are actually the key words for us today. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. You that have recently been hearing these words from the mouths of the prophets who were present when the foundation was laid for the rebuilding of the temple, the house of the Lord of hosts. Let your hands be strong. Zechariah is saying, you've heard over the years prophets coming and saying, we can do this. We can be encouraged and work at rebuilding the temple. But the people have been discouraged. So Zechariah says here, and he says twice in verse 9 and verse 13, if you're following along in your Bible, let your hands be strong. Finish the task. Rebuild the temple. Persevere in your work. Haggai, who writes at the same time, puts it this way, Take courage, all you people. We can do this. Let your hands be strong, Zechariah says. He says to the people of his day, and the Word of God continues to speak to us, Let your hands be strong. We have a phrase, our negative capability, first used in a literary idea. 
but it comes to mean how we press through amidst the ambiguities of life. How can we overcome? How can we push through the storm? And the idea is to not be derailed by life's stressors. So Zacharias says, let your hands be strong. And the poet writes, well, what about our negative capability? What is our strength as we trust and depend on God that we might lean on Him and push through whatever challenges you have, challenges to your family, challenges in work, challenges perhaps in the faith community? What is our negative capability to push through? Last week we heard from the writer Thomas Merton when he said that we as believers face two issues, and one of them is the issue of laziness, and the other is that of cowardice, that we can be overcome by these, and they can derail us in our faith journey, our laziness or our cowardice. And what he encourages us to is to push through in terms of having courage and trusting and depending and leaning on the promises of God. Because that's really what Zachariah is saying here. I've given you all these promises. He's reminding us of God's promises. Let's lean on those, and then our negative capability will be able to push through and trust and to move on in hope and peace. So hearing all of that, we might ask, well then, where do we begin? What does Zachariah's word mean to me and to you where we are here in these days of COVID-19. What's God's word to us? And I want to use here a word from Rollheiser, which I like to sum it up, where he writes, stand where you are supposed to be standing and let God provide the rest. Stand where you are supposed to be standing and let God provide the rest. Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6, 4, verses 10 to 18, he uses four times the word to stand. I want you 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 to stand. Don't shrink back. Trust in me. I am with you. I want you to stand. And Rollheiser is saying, stand where you are supposed to be standing and let God provide the rest. And so where you and I are, that's where we are called to begin. To stand where you are. Stand in the situation you're facing in your family. Stand in the situation that you have at work. Stand perhaps in the position you have with your, your friends or your neighbors or challenges you have. Whatever you face right now, stand where you are supposed to be standing and then God will indeed provide the rest. So Paul puts it this way in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and tremor. You have to work out your salvation. Nobody else is going to work it out for you. Your parents aren't going to work it out for you. Your spouse, kids, people who might help you mentors, whatever. You have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but 
We also hear, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul brings them together. You have to work it out. Stand where you were supposed to be standing. You've got that job. But at the same time, we rest on God who works within us and also is the one who will provide all the rest that we need, as Wolheiser says. So stand where you are supposed to be standing. Let your hands be strong, Zechariah says. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God works in you. So he is with us. He works within us in these days of COVID-19 into our third month. God goes with us. We are not alone. We depend on him. And we can see through to a brighter day, a day where God walks with us and we walk with him. So I offer these words of encouragement for you on this first Sunday of the month of May in Toronto. In Christ's name, amen.